It's definitely not going to be like the lightest of topics, but I think it's definitely a topic that I think we all feel and that we all have, um, especially coming from, um, you know, just loving the game and like why we play. I think it's a that's a big uh, a, a big thing for why again why we play. All right, I'm gonna let Scott get set up. <clears throat> so this episode, so this third segment for us, uh, we've kind of titled. So far this year, for those that are just tuning in and listening, or those that are here on the back patio just tuning in, um, we've titled this third segment as Going Deeper, kind of digging a little deeper into um, why we are the way we are, why we play the way we play, uh, why we struggle the way we struggle. It's a chance for us to, um, we do this kind of generally anyway, but uh, kind of share some more of our own personal struggles because it's back to the question from the Ash Sherlock like what are you what are you best at what do you think where do you think you shine it's like being able to be empathetic and the only way to be able to be empathetic is to actually be able to connect with a similar place so being vulnerable is the first way to do that yeah I feel like this started a couple weeks ago or maybe a couple months ago at this point Uh, you know you and I have these conversations fairly frequently yeah uh, uh, like frequently yet spontaneously, depending on you know what kind of setting we're in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it just kind of started becoming apparent when uh, a couple months ago we had we started having like some crowds on the patio, and I'm giving some some back back end information for our other Scott here. Um, our first and second episodes here on the patio were you know pretty you know fairly lively, right? Mm-hmm. And then by the time we got to our third episode, honestly, kind of. Before we start, like when we started at seven, it was almost like nine thirty when we started yeah. doing this episode, and everybody started to leave. And so Scott right. and I started having these like a little bit like deeper conversations on the podcast. Um, sure. Just because it was honestly just him and I out here just like talking, and and occasionally and, and we'd have one or two people right that exactly. were here and couldn't really engage with. So this has been like a great, and you can see like my even my body language is even more towards you guys because this is kind of like how we how we kind of do this um and we've like you can see we've both laid back more and it's amazing how body language shifts when you move into a different space so right um, like it, we're trying to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. you see us all kind of move back and open up which is that vulnerable space we're not like we're not withdrawn it's <laughs> But I feel like the reason why we've done this is because everybody has their reason for playing the game, right? Everybody has their reason why they do it. And it might come out of, um, it might come out of, you know, some tougher times. It might come out of because they've just experienced a lot of life playing this game. It could be for a bunch of different reasons. Like uh, for me personally, I started playing golf during the pandemic, right? And so I was a, you know, a a pandemic golfer, if you will, right? We've kept a minute. He hasn't run away yet. I haven't run away yet. So, like, uh, just being able to, like, stay, that's my reason, like, why, right? Like, I do it because it's my way to get back into a competitive nature um, because, obviously, this is the only sport that you can play your entire life kind of thing. So that's my my reason why. Scott's going to kind of open up why he has his reason why and kind of what we did yesterday in order to kind of capitalize on rebirthing that a little bit. Yeah, before I do that, Scott, I'd love for your, like, you've played longer than. For sure than both of us like <laughs> no happens I didn't say when combined. you're old <laughs> I didn't say combined um, but like you you've you've seen golf go through 
some significant changes yeah, over bet. time. And so, like, yeah. different eras. Like, I love the history of the game and going back and seeing some of how the game was raw and made originally and how it was meant to be. And um, there's good and bad in there, but, you know, would love to hear, like, why you play. Yeah. And maybe why you got back into playing because you were, out of, you yeah, were exactly. out of the game for quite a while. Yeah. Well, let, let's start there. You know, it was at the time when there was so much – media coverage on tiger being gone for what 380 some days or whatever yep and my joke to you was why don't he try 17 years <laughs> i forgot yeah i remember that <laughs> take 17 years off and tell me how you're gonna do yeah. and like so many of us that have been fortunate enough to play the game for a living if you weren't good enough to make a living you had to get a job and you go ahead and, you know, I didn't have to birth the kids, thank God. So, you know, just raise the kids. But once they're, they were on and doing their own thing, then it's time for me to come back and play. And as I started playing again and getting that hunger, that drive, that zest to do better, because I'm always wanting to improve, um, yeah, I came to Scott and, and said, you know, I want to give this one more shot, uh, which was I, I feel like five that's years hard ago. to do too. Like being off for that long, I can't imagine coming back. Like I've known some other uh, LPGA and PGA professionals, like played on the PGA Tour or LPGA Tour. They don't even play anymore. They don't enjoy playing anymore. And I think their why was just to make money and get as good as they can get. And they lost like enjoying the game and what it taught them and enjoy the process of learning and maybe they never did and what you don't see is you know the round of golf is and take in practice your five six hours at the club you sleep eight the rest of it you really don't enjoy it's the travel to the next spot yeah it's having to deal with the hassles just like any other businessman having to deal with the hassles of the hotel and the hotel's wrong and or the plane flight reservations wrong is dealing with life Hmm. and it just wears on you so that if you're not making a nice enough living to you can stay at the embassy suites and not the comfort inn or you you know you get to go to the ritz when you're down in florida as opposed to motel six and rooming with three or four guys to save you know hey we're only paying ten dollars a piece for this room but there's only one bed you know like <laughs> i would rather i would rather do the patrick reed deal wake up at driving you know oh dark 30 drive to the, yeah. the event go see a place play around sight unseen and then post mm. a number but why i came back was was i missed the competition hmm. and it wasn't the competition you know me versus you it's the competition against the course it's against that number we all call par. It's mm. how many birdies you can make and ha- how many mistakes can you overcome. And, and that's just a personal thing. It's that personal drive overcoming yeah. adversity. Well, and so I love that. That's great. Like, and we're going to have three different answers to this, which is the cool part. Um, but um, so, like, you got out of it and got back into it. Mm-hmm. I've been in it for 11 years teaching I was in it for about 11 before that uh, playing uh, as a junior golfer um, and into college. But 
I was talking to Jack and uh, Erica and some of my juniors here of like, I don't enjoy playing. Like I, I genuinely like, you know, even going and trying to play some other golf courses in the area. It's like about four or five holes in. I'm like, eh, I can go home. I don't know why I'm going to be here for five hours. Like, I, like, why don't I enjoy it? And so um, as I kept thinking about it, I was like, you know what? Um, Rebecca and the kids were out of town, so it's a perfect opportunity for me to kind of just stay out late one night. Like, we already have, we have nice defined times where I'm going to spend time at home, and this is a chance for me to do something I haven't done in years. But, like, I used to do this when I was a kid. Um, my parents could probably tell you exactly what age. I don't remember. It's 12, 13, 14, 15. Uh, 16, but I would go out and I'd play um, in the evenings. It's when I started working at the golf course. So I think it was 15. So after we were done all of our work, carts were locked up. We're like, hey, let's go play. It's still light. We've got probably 30 to 45 minutes of daylight. Let's go play, and then we'll keep playing. And it's your home golf course, and you've played it dozens and dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of times. So, and you've learned to feel your golf swing. Yep. And so, like, yep. because you play it all the time, you know, okay, based on how that felt, I'm guessing my ball's about in this area. So you go and you walk in that area until you find it. You get really good at finding it, and you get really mm -hmm. in tune with your feels. And um, uh, so last night I invited uh, Jack and Erica to join me um, on the golf course, uh, John wasn't able to join us because he had some other work stuff he had to get to, but uh, almost had John Waltz join us too. Um, but to play barefoot uh, about an hour before dark and then finish the round in the dark. Um, and I know it sounds crazy to play barefoot, but one of my men like one of the idols I looked up to in the game, and partly because hearing it from my dad, was Sam Sneed. Sneed talked about playing barefoot all the time. I was like, I want to try that. Yeah. And yeah, it's you like you don't realize like how manicured a golf course is. Even just a – we were a mid-tier public golf course. Good shape most of the year, northern Ohio. But like you get to feel the grass under your feet. Like it's cut. It's perfect. Like it's not like running around your backyard where there might be some sticks and stuff. Like especially if you're in season, there's not that. Like it's manicured. Yeah. It's great. Um, you learn how to feel the slopes in the green. You learn how to feel the balance between your feet. Um, I was telling your Scott body awareness that. is phenomenal. I was telling you that I was uh, I was standing on the green. I don't know if it was whole two. It was on two. Yep. Crazy how you remember that. I remember that because I wasn't talking. It was just no words. Oh, right. that was the other piece. Like I didn't speak the entire round. Yeah. Uh, so I told Scott, even though he wasn't talking, I, I my bare feet were on the green and, and uh, they were a little bit sandy. And I was like, you can feel the slopes in your feet. You can just like feel them in your feet. And it took me a little bit. And I'm such a visual guy that I was relying on my vision the whole time. But by the time we got to nine in pitch black, yep. I remember we had I had like a 20 footer on nine, maybe even a 25 footer. And it was over the spine of the green in nine. Yeah, there's, and that, I remember, there's that ridge back down the center of nine. He had to go over it. I remember like walking up to my ball and it was just, you know, one, two, pause to feel the slope. One, two, pause to feel the slope. One, two, pause to feel the slope. All the way until I got to the cup and I was like, ooh, I feel this. And, part, and you couldn't see of, the flag from 25 right, right. feet from the hole. And, like, and, and part you had to walk of it, all the way up to it. We couldn't find where the pin was. Like, exactly. Where is it? I was like, you, be, you guys better <laughs> be leave the pin in. You're, you're 15 feet from it and you can't see it. 
But wow. I remember uh, wow. like walking up to that, and of course I know the greens here, right? But just being able to feel it in my feet and not being able to see the pin, getting over my ball and hitting it, and I hit it to like two, less than two feet, probably, and I was like, wow, that's cool. Just you like, learned how to sense it by like your body. Our brains process around 50 million bits of information every second. Now you removed the visual component, so all the others had to engage. And so yeah, by walking and taking steps, like your brain started figuring out this is how far away it is. Even though when I walk back to my ball, I can't see it. I can't see the aim on my putter, but I can feel where the face is. Like it's kind of like I know it's a, the pin's about there, and based on how I feel, I probably need to aim about here. It's kind of like when um, there's studies that come out all the time about um, visually impaired people, blind people. How when they, um, you know, as soon as they've gone blind, all their other senses heighten in order to compensate for that vision. Mm -hmm. And they can either get to the point where if they have like their hands on a table and like a waitress puts down a glass on the table, they know where to pick it up just based off the vibrations that are coming off the table and where they hear the glass hitting down, hear the glass sitting down and they can go and grab it just off of their feel and so, their and their hearing. really cool story there was a kid who lived across the street one over he was four or five years older than me and the neighborhood kids we'd all get out and we'd we'd play basketball and football but he was blind and so he didn't play at first um but there was one day i remember watching him go out there and his dad was out there with him this was keep in mind he was probably 14 or 15 at the time when i first saw this but he'd walk out there and his Dad kind of helped him make a shorter basket, and then he had him walk up, touch the basketball pole with the ball, walk straight back, and shoot it. Like he taught him how to shoot, and he'd listen and hear. And he'd walk, grab the ball, go back, find the basket, walk back, and shoot. He got pretty dang good at shooting free throws. Couldn't see it. But he could tell by the sound. He could tell by feel. Like it was all feel-oriented. Now, here's the crazy one. We would play football, and he was the quarterback. Now, you, you weren't allowed to rush the passer, obviously. Like, it's just not safe. Like, he can't anticipate and brace for it. Um, and we would play flag football that way in his front yard. But we would call out, like, over – you weren't – the other team wasn't allowed to, like, try and fool him, whatever. But, like, over here, he could throw a spiral in your – pretty close to your general direction. You could play, Like, he could genuinely play football. You wouldn't put him in on a team, but, like – it was incredible, the heightened senses. And so one of the things that happened with you and Erica is y'all initially struggled in the dark, and I was able to continue to maintain because it's something I've done before. There you go. I was about to say this, too, is that on 9, remember on 9, we were like, all right, we're going to bring it up to the 150 marker and and shoot, right, just because. We weren't going to walk through the construction. We weren't going to walk through the construction. Smart. So we were up there at the 150 marker hitting onto the green, and I hit the ball. Couldn't even see the face of the club, honestly. And I hit the ball, and I was like, ah, that one's off left. You said it was thin left. I said it was thin left. That's exactly right. And then I go up. My ball is long left. And I was like, oh, man. I didn't think I could do it because on that tee shot on eight, remember, I was like, oh, pulled that. No way. And it couldn't obviously couldn't find the ball because I think I hooked it into the into the houses. So, but so Scott will appreciate this. Um, I remember this probably was like seven or eight years ago when Hank was kind of really in his kind of towards the end of his teaching prime. We were at Greystone Country Club, and he was like, "That one was great." And he's writing the students' notes. I was like, "You weren't even looking at him. Like, how do you know it was correct?" 
And about three years ago, I started noticing that in my own teaching. I could tell by the sound of contact if I knew the player. I could tell you about how much the ball drew or faded, about like how yep. solid it was hit. And so last night in that same moment, Erica hits one. She was like, oh, I hit that fat. She's looking short of the green. And my ears told me, I was like, that's a draw probably center to back. Sure enough, it was a long draw center to back of the green. And so, like, she was going off of what she thought was fat, which was actually a ball first, then contact. So it's the thing about playing when your eyes are turned off is all your other feels are heightened, mm -hmm. and it will expose the weaknesses in them, which it took you, it took you two and a half holes to kind of get the feels to match a little bit. Um, but if you keep playing in that environment, it'll work great. But you, we've seen Hank do that, and you're like, dude, bro, you weren't even looking. Wasn't even looking. What's but you don't need to when you've done it as right. long as he has. Like the exactly. Celtics, like, oh, I can, I can tell by sound. I was like, no, you can't tell by sound. Like if I'm telling you, I just found out I could tell by sound in seven years and watching golf balls, your, your brain begins to catch very subtle differences. Well, there was a, a quick story taking a lesson with you and Hank and we couldn't figure out why I was losing distance on a couple iron shots and all he did was take a hundred dollar bill out of his pocket put it in between the pads of my grip yep. because he could sense that I would be re-gripping it when I'd get back to the top of the swing and then again get to impact. You couldn't see it on it the go. video. You couldn't Nothing. see it on the video. Sure enough. Of course of course the fact that if I if I dropped that hundred dollar bill I had to pay him a hundred dollar bill <laughs> to, you know too. So there was that. I, forgot about I that. think there was a story, um, it's on Eric Anders Lang's um, YouTube channel, uh, Random Golf Club, which actually came here to Franklin Bridge yep. not too long ago. Um, but he was over in Japan and I forget I wanna say it was Mira golf clubs um it's some japanese Mira, yeah japanese brand over there but there's this guy who's been fitting clubs and who's been making these clubs these for these handcrafted forged irons for years and um eric went over there and actually these clubs are the same clubs that uh are allegedly the same ones that tiger used in uh his early 2000s masters win he, they will never – anybody at the factory will deny it, deny it, deny it every day. Tiger won't answer it. Nobody will know. But they're allegedly the same clubs that Tiger used, and they just branded them to Nike just to, you know, fulfill a sponsorship request. Anyway, Eric went over there to go get fitted for clubs, and he was so surprised. He went into the bays, and um, the owner of, of, the, of the shop was fitting him just with his, just with his eyes and just with his ears. There was no track man, no, no data, yep. no nothing, and he fit him perfectly with the perfect head, the perfect shaft, perfect grip, perfect wraps, perfect everything, just off of squatting down behind Eric, watching him hit the ball, and listening to the sound of contact that he had. And Eric yep. said he came out there, and he, and he went, went and played around with him, and using the same clubs that he fit him for, and he was like, I, don't, I just don't know how he does so, it. Probably the best lesson, or the most, I don't say necessarily the best lesson, probably the craziest lesson I ever gave was to Ethan, who's sitting out there right now. Ethan remembers this, so like, I'm giving a lesson to, I think Piper was there, I was doing a little work with Piper, and uh, 
Evan was there, and I was listening to the sound. I hadn't seen a ball yet. I was listening to the sound of Ethan's golf balls, and so as he was hitting them, and so I, uh, I said, I want you to do this. I want you to try and hit low hooks for me. And then I started changing it. So, like, I, his first golf lesson was all by sound, listening to him. He got pretty dang good just listening just by that. So that was, like, one of the craziest lessons I ever gave. It was, like, as a staff guy, let's see if I can do it, like, just for fun. It's, like, you start to realize when somebody like Hank or Butch Harmon, when they talk about their track man is right here and here with yeah. the sound, you like, that's Butch what you like get. That, like, yeah. when you don't outsource your brain to the tech, your brain is forced to do what it's really freaking good at doing, which is paying attention to everything going on around it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but it's also funny you open yourself up to um, technological error and statistical error when you start relying on these force plates, track mans, whatever you're going to use. You lose a lot your of people lose, Even though it's very rare because those computers are very finely dialed, it's like, at what point do you go to like a butch? And be like, hey man, like tell me what's wrong versus a track man with spin rates and smash factors and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, probably the one of the greatest compliments I can get as a teacher or a coach is like, man, you fixed it in 15 minutes what I've already spent hundreds of dollars doing somewhere else. It's like, yeah, because what I have that most golf professionals don't have, and I'd be hard pressed to find somebody around my age bracket between 30 and 40. That interned at a yeah, single no place, question. apprenticed for ten years. I don't know anybody yeah. that's apprenticed for Nobody ten years does. under one one way of doing it, which was such a craft for so long. Um, and so, what I have is the benefit of like people are like, how do you know about the style of golf instruction in the '70s and '80s? Because I talked about it and I learned about it, and I learned about the theme of you know. I mean, that's how you swing learn the, the game. club to swing your body, like. That was 80s, 90s. <laughs> and, and all the time I've known you, yeah. I've never seen you use any piece of technology to fix anybody. I use a little bit of video, but that's mostly for the player than it is for me. But also that video, I don't even think video counts because it's, it's, it's basically just capturing the data that your brain already sees, right? Yeah. So it's just like seeing it over and over again. But I've never seen you use... Like I was saying, TrackMan, force plates, any of this 3D technology, uh, you know, attack angle stuff. Like, it's never been any about well, that it's, at all. Well, it's funny. I actually had a guy, a uh, couple guys come up to me the other couple weeks ago asking, like, hey, you going to get a TrackMan? I was like, yeah, we'll get one. He's like, I'll come f to get a lesson from him when you get a TrackMan. It's like, <laughs> I don't need a TrackMan. It's like, why? No, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying a TrackMan is not valuable. Like, I've used it to kind of help refine some things I'm trying to work on with a player. But, like... I have uh, I have a player that has a downward attack angle with a driver between one and a half and three, which is not what you're supposed to do. Right. But they hit it long, and they can control it. Then it's, it's all about ball control. Yeah, you bet. And like we've tried to fit with different drivers to try to do different movements, then it's not effective. And so you know what? I don't care. Like. Yeah, I know exactly. we know BPN, OP, and proximity. Those three elements are the most important. And if you can't put them there and you can't have confidence in it, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't – like, it just – could they hit it further with an upward attack angle? Yes. What do they lose in so doing? It's like we go for optimizing numbers, and I've watched some other instructors do this. I had the benefit of learning from Hank of 
the ball is the thing that matters. Exactly. It's the way to lower scores. It's yeah. not, well, aren't I supposed to look like this? Not you. Not if you want control of that ball. Did you teach other, other I'm going to call him other Scott for those of you who are listening. Scott, I'm sure Scott taught for did, a while. But yeah, did you absolutely. teach Scott BP and OP and proximity today? We, we kind of did a little bit of it today. We're going to do some more of it tomorrow. Cool. Um, but it's, I, I love it. Um, and it's exciting. But not to stray too far away from the topic. Actually, we strayed far away from the topic. I'm avoiding giving my answer. Um, we have a little bit. Something you said to me before we started yesterday was like, Scott, when we go out and do this, like, don't be upset with yourself if you don't like figure out why you love the game and why you don't enjoy it anymore. Like, you, you don't have to figure that out today. It's like, okay, cool. So that's kind of nice to like hear that and relaxing. Um, but as I went through it, I told other Scott earlier today, I said, as as humans, probably one of our biggest weaknesses, if not the biggest weakness, is that we listen, but we don't hear. We look, but we don't see. I kept, like, about three holes in, I started noticing that, and I kept kind of reflecting on it. Because I can't talk, so all I have to do is reflect with my thoughts. We listen, but we don't hear. We look, but we don't see. And, like, what I realized is, like, I... I don't enjoy competing in individual competitions. Well, I if, never really have. If I can add like one quick yeah, thing to that ahead. as far as like the we listen but don't hear type thing. There's a study that happened, I don't know how long ago this was, but um, talking about people when they're in arguments with other people and how mm. when they get out what they want to say, right? Let's say you end your point right there. And then the other, other person comes back at you, right? We're not listening to that other person. What we're doing is loading up what we're going to say next to that person. Mm. We don't yeah, ever. No question. We don't ever. And, and, and some of the most valuable pieces, especially in um, talking about debate, right, is actually using pieces of. And this is, you know, kind of manipulative. This might not be what you're talking about, but okay. we use uh, the most valuable or the most um, talented debaters use the topics that that person says to them as offense in their next counter statement versus just trying to ramble 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 about what your point is right and so like mm -hmm. going to your point about listening not hearing it's like we care so much about our own opinions about things that we don't hear other people's opinions and then figure out how does that fit within my mental psyche or my core concepts of myself enough That's we good. only talk about what we what our opinion and what our perspective is yeah you don't learn too much by talking no no <laughs> no, no. And, and and yesterday was great and like you talked about we texted some back and forth once we got once you got home last night but it was like there are times you you and erica kind of talked a little bit early on and then i i didn't i didn't think about this but i did notice like for a couple of moments in there like you got really quiet as well just to try and engage with that same um, same kind of deal. But, like, we don't stop. We go until we hit the floor, hit the bed. Like, we just go, 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 and we never stop. And so, like, um, oh my God, I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read why. What I sent to you. I, I think it's, it's just easier. I already wrote it. Um... 
Um, let's see, 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 see. Mm. Um, Are you talking about what you said? Because I can read it to you right now. No, I'm like, um, let's see. <clears throat> oh, there it is. Uh, so you said love playing barefoot brought me back to summers as a kid and then <clears throat> I replied back with this I said we forget how to be kids when we become adults I discovered as I reflect on tonight why I play it's the place I get to spend and connect with the people I love most it's why I don't enjoy competing in quotes quite as much in the section events because the guys I play with aren't guys I've connected with and, and in a lot of cases I, I don't want to like I've said this to you before like and I said it to Brooks, like, I'm the least golf professional of golf professionals that you know. Like, now, it sounds like I nerd out on it with the BPNOP proximity, but, like, I'd rather go do something else. Like, I don't care. Let's go to the science center. Let's go to the zoo. Like, I, like let's go to some other game. Like, I just don't – golf isn't everything to me. Um, I enjoy doing lots of other things. And so when I basically only watch the major championships or it's – because like I, I I'm just not obsessed with it and who's playing well like yeah, just not same same I I just don't enjoy that and so Which we alluded to a little bit in our glory podcast as well yeah and and then I put on there it's um it's not that I don't like you as a golf professional I just may not connect with you because I don't like I just don't engage with the game the same way you do and so and then I said it's why I prefer the team events and competition it's why um, I didn't say this in here but like it's why I enjoy caddying. Because I get to be with you, yeah. and there's a little bit of the teach side of me that likes to help people. So, like, I get to be an assist while you're playing. Um, and then I said, as an introvert, I don't need or want a lot of friends. Doesn't mean I don't like you. Like, I like people. Um, I just want a few that I can just be me with. <laughs> Thanks. And that will love me for me and everything from my seriousness to my weirdness, from my expertise to my areas of no knowledge, from my successes and into my failures. Um, the other reason I play is that I love personal growth and development from the personal level, golf skill, body awareness, life awareness, which the body awareness is like in the dark is like, I enjoy like listening to say listening to how my body's like telling me what's going on. Um, uh, life awareness, etc. We have all been failures in life and growing and, um, and growing in one area is growing in all overcoming things bit by bit. And little by little, the cool thing, that process never stops unless you choose to, um, unless we choose to quit and give in. We all have an underdog in us dying to overcome the odds of anything in life. Like, I, I don't think I've gotten to the full answer of why I enjoy playing the game, but like, I would prefer to play in a section event with Scott than go play in an individual event. Like, I, I don't say. get anything out. Like, I don't get anything out of that, and it's why, possibly, I didn't enjoy tournament golf and I got burnt out in college is because I enjoyed playing with my teammates actually one of my most fun rounds was in a tournament in college you don't play with your teammates right. ever. you play with three others right but the way like there's a team that dropped out because it was a super rainy tournament coach was like whatever reason they weren't going to play and so I got paired with one of my teammates Adam Clater and we had a it was the most enjoyable round I had played, and I was tied for the lead after the first round, playing with other team, other teams. And then the third round, that team pulled out, or the second round, that team pulled out. 
I went bogey, bogey, double bogey, bogey to start the tournament. But I was one under the rest of the round. And, like, he was just there with me through the struggle. And, like, we just we just talked and enjoyed the round together. And we kind of ignored the other guys. Like, there was no... There was no, like, ooh, we're trying to cheat. Like, I ended up taking seventh. It was the best finish I had in a college tournament. Um, but, like, that round, starting to realize why I enjoyed that round so much. And so the reason why I enjoy the game and play the game is I believe that it really connects me and helps me understand life as I go through it. And it's a way for me to kind of work through personal things and connect with personal things, which then allows me to be empathetic like I am with other people, and I'd rather just play with people I enjoy playing with. Scott, we always play with people we enjoy playing with. But. Other Scott might be able to allude to this better than I can, because I actually don't think I genu- I genuinely don't think I have enough time in the game to necessarily understand my why more than more than just shooting a low score. Right, that's kind of been my why. That's kind of the reason that I feel like I've bonded so much with you right it's because like you know shooting a better score shooting a better score shooting a better score and that's awesome i don't think i've gotten to the place in the game yet where i've been quote unquote burnt out to where i really have to like refine why i learned why i love playing anymore um and so i think scott might have a better um perspective on (laughs) understanding why we play this game for so long well, things change. Things yeah. change. Life evolves. You know, golf will be in a different different stage, a different place at different times in your life. Um, even though it could be the one grounding force that you have on a re- from a recreation standpoint. Yep. That brings you back, you know, emotionally and mentally where you where you like to be. Um, and and I can certainly say that's that was probably one of the impetuses for me coming back aside from the competition because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the walk in the park, the the time that you, that you're out there just to take it in, whether I was with somebody or, or not. Um, I think that's a good takeaway, too, because I was recently listening to a, uh, a Joe Rogan podcast, and, and one of the guests was talking, they were talking about hunting, and they were talking about why when you go out in the woods, you feel so, like, attached to the world that we're in, right? Like, you feel so, you feel so natural in that state right it might not be that you're stalking prey or that um you know or that you're holding a rifle but it's like you know that you're out there in nature just attached to what kind of you're primitively primitively supposed to be doing right and then joe said something around the lines of like well that's why that's why a bunch of businessmen like playing golf right because even though it's manicured even though you know the trees are out of the way and all the grass is cut it's like yeah. you're still out there you know in nature and that's what i was telling scott too it's like one of the best parts about going out there yesterday with him was like being barefoot and uh walking around the land and watching the sunset and, and you just said the being silent, around like it emulating the silence the is really silence good for you yes and then remember when we came up on nine we saw the fireflies in the woods and that it was, was like crazy. It was like, anything <laughs> like it. It was like, it was like God sprinkled glitter. It was like God sprinkled glitter. They That's were neat. nuts. It was crazy. I have never see seen so else. many fireflies in my life. It was wow. crazy. But just like being that whole round, like really kind of like attached, like not necessarily that the golf was a good idea. And in fact, I was telling uh, somebody about this yesterday. It was like, it was the first time in my life when I've been playing the game that the, that the game almost came second to the experience. Right, right. Well, and that's uh, you hit on it, saying the experience, because there, 
you know, g golf is a great landscape for that, for, mm -hmm. the, for an experience. Yeah. Well, and, like, I don't like spending money on things. Like, I like spending money on experiences, like going and spending time with people and doing things. Like, yeah. when I'm home with the kids, like, I don't do well when I'm home with the kids and it's just me on a Monday and Rebecca's got to work is like staying there and playing at the apartment. Like I'll either go to the pool or we'll go to the zoo or um, we'll go to the arcade. Like go make I go and enjoy experiences with my kids. Um, yep. And that's, that's the way I experience life and enjoy life. Um, and so, and not everybody has to do it that way. Like some people love right. competition. Now, I love it as well, but it's. I don't want to compete against all the other golf professionals, and and I used to think I was just worried about what they would all think about me. But really, at the end of the day, like, I want to compete against the two of you up here, and Piper and Erica and Daniel Martin and Elijah Tackett and like a lot of the students that I teach and people I spend a lot of time with, and Paul Farmer and, you know, like I that that to me. I would rather compete there than mm -hmm. go compete with everybody else. And that's maybe not the same for somebody else. Like, that's fine. But I'm kind of realizing maybe part of the reason why I got burned out is I lost that. But at the, at the end of the day, that's why you love playing the game. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily like, I don't think you, like, again, I don't think you would have as much fun going out there and playing in a field of, you know, 65 versus going and playing with a field of five, four in your group, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's kind of how it yeah. is. And that, that's, that's for me. And there's, there's a big difference, too, in where we are today versus where the game was five years, ten years, twenty years ago. Yeah. You know, there, wa there was guys before Tiger. Right. There was a guy named Bob Some might May. not know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Bob was Mr. California, won everything. Before Bob May, there was a guy named Jonathan Baker. Jonathan Baker was hailed as the next – Whatever. Jack Nicholas. Yeah. And and you know, he just said it plain and simple when he was in college. I just don't enjoy it as much as I used to. You know, it's it, and that can happen to anything. Yeah. And and when you lose your why, which I guess is kind of the whole purpose of this, when you lose your why, you in essence lose yourself. And can get lost in the whole sea of yeah, things. We we're we we're talking about. I'm not going to mention the golf company. Those that know who it is, but like they went public a number of years ago, and their quality has precipitously declined, with the exception of the golf ball. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, from their shoes to their apparel to their, like what happened? Just not the same. They lost their why. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the pub. I think one thing that uh <laughs> love it. I love this place. <laughs> the bomb. <laughs> one of the things that was uh funny that kind of gained my perspective on like the history of the game was um I was watching a video on YouTube and they were playing at a uh, at Palmetto Country Club in South Carolina in Aiken. I guess I think it's Palmetto Country Club. I believe that's what it is. Anyway, um, they were talking about how um, back in the day, Palmetto used to have a bigger purse than the Masters. And so all of the boys would come down and play Palmetto before they went and played the Masters the week after. And uh, Palmetto and uh, Augusta are like 25 minutes away, even though they're in different states. And uh, I just found that funny. I was like, yo, all the boys came down here and played a different country club that no, like 
little of the pop of the golf population like knows that this country club even exists. Right. right. And then they would go and play Augusta, which everybody knows. Um, so I mean, I was just like, this game has mm. been around for so so long, and like, like you said, times have changed so many times over again, and it's going to be interesting. And what's cool about this day and age in golf is that we're finally at an, like at the end of the Tiger era, right? And so like the game, right. the game is like changing right before our eyes on what is going to be the next generation of golf. And Scott and I have spent numerous podcasts talking about what the USGA needs to do to make these courses more playable and, uh, you know, investing in traps in longer locations because people are hitting further. And, uh, you know, just like we're literally in the midst not of having another change in the game. And so. we went through this before, you know, the Tiger era too, where it was everybody was just like a Xerox copy of another golfer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been um, fun. There's a it was this week. I think it was the last two days. Uh, Golf dot com posted on Instagram. Um, Butch Harmon. It's like people come to him all the time, going, "I love this. I want to swing like Tiger." He's like, "I'd love to swing like Tiger, but unless we get into his body, into his feels, you can't swing like Tiger. Like, there's no perfect golf swing. Exactly. There aren't any of them. So stop trying to act like they are." And, you know, one of my final points about digital media is when you have that, you begin to see the game through that lens, yeah. through the TV. Like, um, one of the most enjoyable things for me was to go to Firestone Country Club every year for the World Championship or the World Golf Championships up there mm -hmm. and go and actually watch the tournament. If you watch a single player, even the guy that's winning the golf tournament for an entire round, you will see some hideous golf shots and so you get to see the game as it really is even when they're playing at their very best i mean when you when tiger won the u.s open on a busted leg and makes the only like great shot he hit was the putt on the 72nd hole to get into a playoff against was it yeah. rocco mediate yeah yeah and like like that was the only great shot he hit the entire back nine 19, 19 holes the next day, too. Yep. And so, like, you get to see the game as it really is. Well, nowadays, it's a highlight reel. All you see is highlight reels. All you see on Instagram is highlight reels. And That's when you see is. bad shots, yeah. it's a highlight reel of the not top 10. It's, so even it's, preserved, still not a, it's even preserved legacies at this point, right? Right, like no doubt. Some of these people who are, like, probably were, you know, just barely above average players, you see they're – highlight reels on YouTube and on Instagram and whatever and the best ofs and they're uh, it, it's just like preserve their legacy in some ways so you know it's just so great to like pull back from the digital media um, one of the years you came to the tour championship with us and I remember getting on the bus and asking the kids like what did you enjoy most about the round and they're like four or five in the shout out together because they were all in the same group they're like Watching Dustin Johnson shank it out of the rough on the, on the whatever I don't remember what hole like, they they got to see the game as it really is, not as you perceive it. And so if you remove, when you change the lenses that you see the game through, you can enjoy it a whole lot more. And so like I had to remove the lens mm -hmm. when we played that I'm so used to. I'm just in this performance 
mode all the time. And even when I was playing out there, I was still trying to hit BPNs, OP and proximity, but it wasn't, it's just the way I played it. Well, and, and you got to you got to keep keep in mind what what you're being shown too. I give you an example. You know, the last Champions Tour event, you had Freddie versus um, Jimenez, and and uh, there was a 67 year old Wake Forest graduate who was having one of the best you know rounds of of his career. He's only three shots back. But you never saw Jay Ha's picture the entire weekend. That's crazy. No, no. You're only going to get shown what's, what's one, what's going to sell, and two, you know, who's, yeah. who's, yeah. who's going to win it. I think at the end of the day, uh, I think all these have been great points. I think the biggest thing that an amateur can take away that's listening to this is um, enjoy your why you play the game because I think if you really find why you play the game – uh, you're going to be a lot happier when you do play, and it's going to eliminate what I've alluded to in the past two ta- podcasts about when you go out there and shoot 120 and being mad about a 120 when you're just there to enjoy the game with your boys anyway, right? So it's like if you can just find your why you play the game and be happy with that, even though the name it doesn't of the mean you don't want to get better. And you right, don't right, right, par. exactly. But even though like, the name of the game is shooting that. par, right? It's yeah. like understanding your why and why you play the game. Uh, it's going to be crucial to you staying in the sport as long as possible because it's going to uh, prolong your life in and the if, game. If your why is to get a college scholarship to to be number one, like those aren't those aren't effective because they're not in your control. Like, you don't don't grab a performance thing as your why. Yeah, you control being prepared. That's about yeah. it. So, you know. Well, other than that, I think it's been a uh, great night at the pub. A great night at the pub. Thank you so much, Scott, for joining yeah, us. Thanks Scott. for having me. I it's appreciate been awesome. Invite, this is guys. the first time that we've had a guest for all three podcasts, yep. which has been awesome. To and he's get. got three three books that you've written. Yeah, yeah. What's that? So, Scott, let them know where they Amazon? can find you. Where, uh, books, yeah, just wherever. go on Amazon.com. You know, you'll find uh, how to become an elegant leader with voltage. There's Step in the Boat and a couple others in there, too. So. Awesome. The Culture Whisperer, right? Yeah, The Culture Whisperer. The culture whisperer. I like that one. I want to read that one. I haven't read that one. Awesome. Well, Scott, thanks again for joining thanks us. Thanks again it's for having me, It's been an awesome night at the pub. Um, y'all, if you can, again, please go and rate the podcast five stars um, or however much you've enjoyed this podcast. We'd prefer five stars. It would be great. So uh, go down, pa- pause the podcast, swipe over to the episode, scroll all the way down, rate it five, give us a review. Uh, that'd be great. Thank you guys all who have stayed out here at the pub tonight and listened to us talk. Uh, it's been a great night. We've had some come, some go. It's been awesome to have you guys here. So remember, uh, 6.30 on Wednesdays here at the pub is when you can listen to us live from the backports of Franklin Bridge. Uh, from Scott Scott and Jack, it's been a great night here on the backports of Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always, feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards, 
Come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, we got some specials going on. We had some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace.